Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Brothers, sisters, gender resistors, welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. I'm your host, Big Laddie Cool, Matt Connolly this week. Don Van Damme, unfortunately, on the injured list again, it seems. But don't worry, we've still, we've got a deep squad. We invested heavily in the summer and we've got two fantastic people to come talk about wrestling. They've seen some fantastic wrestling in the last week or so. Firstly, I should say it's episode, what are we now? 67, is it, Rust? Do you know? I think it's 68. 68? My apologies, it is 68. Well, that's a great start to hosting duties right there, <laughs> uh, trying to take us back in time. And how could we forget 67? It was the excellent one with Damo, Ross. Fantastic work on that, mate. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Did you manage to listen to it back? I've listened to it. I had an absolutely cracking time. He seems like a, a real top bloke. So the voice you just heard was Ross, the boss Casey. And generally, <laughs> and now that we've really jumped in, how was it doing that with Damo? Did that feel like a bucket list one, the WWE Superstar? Yeah, really, really cool. I've listened to some of his stuff previously, like his podcast that he's done with different people. I know it's mentioned on the podcast that Dom listened to the Art of Wrestling one with Colt Cabana, really enjoyed it. And he's just a great talker, isn't he? I was really happy that um, we were just able to almost just sit under his learning tree a little bit and ask him maybe seven or eight questions. And then he spoke for an hour and it was amazing. Yeah, really, really interesting. Probably, I know that we had this conversation on the uh, chat, potentially the biggest guest that we've ever had. I would say so. I think the Twitter followers proves it, right? JCH did the research. JCH did the research, yeah, yeah. Only, only, he's only about 80,000 ahead of my favourite guest, David Wheater. So, <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people in the country will probably know Wheater more because of his football, but to us, yeah. big demo, what a catch, what a get. And um, yeah, um, he went on to win the Atlas title the following week. So, you know, if you are a wrestler and you want to come on Wrestling Should Be Fans podcasts, the victories will come around the corner. <laughs> Well, I mean, we had Gene Money on. He's now the Gene Money champion of the world as well. So, <laughs> wrestling should be fun. A draped in gold. <laughs> but we haven't just got Ross this week. We've also got the third man. And the third man this week returning to the pod for, oh, how many times is this now, Josh? You must be knocking on five or six, right? I think it's five or six. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Can't promise I'll be quite as entertaining as I was in the um, Shock Mastermind when I, I kept on pulling a great escape hack, but I'll try my best. <laughs> That is Josh, as I, again, badly... I'm asking you questions before I'm introducing you, lads. Really sorry about this. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's Josh there. Uh, a really happy Leicester fan, I imagine, at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wrestling, yeah. Um, wrestling. Let's talk about wrestling. Let's, let's not talk <laughs> about the Premier League. It's an international break. Perfect time to be talking about some wrestling. Uh, <laughs> Ross, you've got us call-up sheet, so let's crack on with the call-up sheet. Pull-up sheets, back with a bang after a few weeks off. Let's see who we've got. First up, we've got Cena Wrestling, who is Wrestling Cena on Twitter. But the E in wrestling is missing on both of those handles, which is quite fun. Um, so maybe some kind of, um, what's the Bailey faction that has like CTRL rather than control? <laughs> uh, maybe there's a little tie in there for you. And it's just a wrestling and sports fan. They don't see where they're from. Uh, so let's say that they're from parts unknown. Okay. Um, Cena wrestling, not nothing's coming. <laughs> Freezing. Nothing's coming here. I'm struggling. <clears throat> Inappropriate. Maybe it's like um, it's not Cena. Maybe it's like CNA, 
like it's his own company. Well, it is Cena Wrestling, so maybe they're in a tag team with the um, with the man who cannot be seen, the Invisible <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, let's try with someone else. Let's uh, see if we can get a better one here. Jordan Melnick, JDM Cometh is their Twitter handle. Just a watch up, club curler and wrestling fanatic. It's a good name. It feels very jobbery, though. Jordan Melnick. <laughs> yeah. You know when you see like the poster for WrestleMania, I'm not I'm not feeling Melnick in the title match. <laughs> I'm feeling like he probably lost on an episode of Superstars back in the day. Oh, definitely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely watched him in the last year on my Superstars binges, for sure. <laughs> um, no no offence to, to Mr Melnick. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> but it's just not clicking as a top guy. But he's a washed up club curler. I really enjoy that as like a phrase. It's just a fantastic phrase. And I've got a pretty distinct image of what a washed up club curler is. And I think it's a great gimmick. <laughs> I'll give him that. Uh, next up, we've got Sonny G, who is Sonny Club on Twitter. Pro wrestling commentator and podcaster. Husband, cat dad, gamer, May United supporter. And then he gives a whole host of links, including his Facebook, his Instagram. And he's the host of the Clubhouse podcast with Sonny G. Sonny G is a really good name. Sonny G is a great name. We've I feel like now. I feel like he would be um, his like wrestling accessory would be a one of those like three liter bottles of Sunny D. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was getting the impression of Sugar Rush anyway. So <laughs> Sunny D running the Sunny Club is making money in the promotion. I think really happy, clappy baby face, lots yeah. of fun, and he's obviously got his interview segment with the Clubhouse podcast. So welcome to the Clubhouse with Sunny G. Oh. So, <laughs> As wrestling fans, we bloody love talk shows, don't we? That's when you've really made it, when you have your own talk show. Next up, we've got the original Mad Scientist Flavoured, who's Mad Science Arts on Twitter. He adds art, politics, music, movies, wrestling, and large format printing to a blender with rye, orange juice, and ice. Blend well, serving tall glasses. From I, like I think of um, a wrestling scientist, are we thinking like a real technical wrestler, right? Is this where we're thinking? Maybe uh, maybe a, a bit similar to what JD McDonough's trying to get over in NXT. Uh, yeah, NXT right now. This methodical. I've of that, but also with a kid's character, that Axiom. Yes, yes. <laughs> so he can shape shift, but he can also, <laughs> but he can also work a limb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So has there been like wrestling science gimmicks before? Um, the nineties must have had one, right? Someone in a yeah, white coat or surely. something. Mid nineties WWF must have had a scientist, surely. Mm, I keep I guess thinking you had... dentist. What? Isaac Yankum. I keep, <laughs> Isaac I'm, Yankum, I'm thinking, right? I know that I know he's not a scientist, but that's the closest I can get to that. Yeah. Yeah, true. There must be someone there. Mm, yeah, that we've got one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's fine. Just twenty five years late. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um it would be great if like for each opponent, he, he like realizes that he's got like because he's a scientist, he can figure out their weaknesses and all that sort of stuff. And then he can figure out exactly what he needs in terms of vitamins and minerals. And then he makes his drink and then he drinks it at the start. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure he's a very well-meaning man and he was being really positive. But the description felt a bit like Sean O'Hare telling me what to do, but not telling me what to do. So I'm thinking maybe a, a, a little panache of that thrown on top as well. Who would his um, veteran sidekick be? Like, Sean O'Hare had Piper, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe, like, hmm. IRS, because he used to tell people to pay their taxes, didn't he? So I feel like he'd be quite, like, bossy. Yeah. <laughs> Very bossy. 
Next up, we've got Fernando Lozano, who is Lozano for M on Twitter. He supports Juventus. He's a Titans fan, so I'm a big fan already. Uh, he likes metal, rock, and punk music, and he's a gamer from Mexico. Also, definitely in one of the World Cup squads. That player. <laughs> is such a, such a, he's definitely in a, a little diminutive number 10. I don't know about wrestling, but this guy's, <laughs> this guy's coming to the World Cup with big hype and European clubs watching him. Yeah. Um, and also, he could have, because he's a Juve fan, he could have a valet called The Old Lady. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. And then we've got one more who is just, this is real, real difficult. Rose, Rose Breadthauer? B-R-E-D-T-H-A-U-E-R. Breadthauer, is that right? Um, I'd go, yeah. Rose Breadthauer, and her handle is Breadthauer Rose. And that's literally all that we've got. And her last tweet was why couldn't the skeleton go to the dance and then there's no Cause answer because he, he had no body to go with <laughs> there you go oh she sounds um, like her name belongs in nxt well i was gonna say nxt 2.0 but yeah we'll say nxt 2.0 for now as like some i don't know Cora, Cora jade's a bit dark maybe she could hang out with her for a bit make like really bad skeleton jokes yeah Cora Jade used to have the skeleton gimmick, right? She used to carry around that little coffin. She was like a gypsy, right? On the indies. Hmm. Yeah. Bri- Madcap Moss has already got the joke sewn up, so it's going to be hard for her coming up to the main roster. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that Madcap's already nailing that the joke side of the roster. So. Well, he learned from the best, didn't he, with Happy Corbin? So. Exactly. So maybe she, uh, maybe she, we align her with uh, Riddick Moss for the uh, return of the Mix Max Challenge, if that ever happens. <laughs> yes, great shout <laughs> so those are our call-up sheet for the week thanks so much for uh, sending in your names and we hope that you enjoy your new wrestling gimmicks shall we move on to the next section matt let's do <laughs> what the nerds are watching i've been watching you a la 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 long a la 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 long 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 come on a la 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 long a la 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 long 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 so um I haven't really been watching a lot of wrestling for a change. I feel like I say that every time I host this podcast, but luckily I know you guys have been watching a fair old bit. Ross, I know you've been to some live wrestling, so should we start with that? A little bit of chaos. How was that? Yeah, Pro Wrestling Chaos in Bristol. It was my first um, venture back to my hometown promotion post-pandemic. So the first show that I've seen that's produced and booked by Flash Morgan Webster and Wild Boar rather than Dave Mercy, former Wrestling Should Be Fun roster member, Dave yeah, Mercy. Fantastic. Um, fantastic guest. And yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. The crowd there are so into it. They're a perfect blend for me of family friendly wrestling, but also have really fun kind of like narrative based action. They've got Danny Jones as their champion. And the current storyline is that Tate Mayfair's is kind of the big bad heel that's come into the promotion. And he's not come alone, but he won't quite announce who he's working for. So it's kind of like a mystery as to like who's the person that he claims the people that are running this company. And it was made quite public in the final pre-pandemic show that it had been sold to for Andrews and Webster. So I don't know if they're going to cut that down the line of like, yeah, they're in charge, but they're actually bad, like storyline wise, or if they're going to bring in someone as like a kayfabe owner, if that makes sense. So that's quite exciting. But the show itself was really, really fun. I mentioned in the group chat that the highlight for me was 
a young lad called Jack Nudson, who I've recently followed on Wrestling We Find Twitter, and he's followed back. So thanks for that, Jack. He wrestled as someone that I've never met or known about previously. He was at the front at the bar serving Thatcher's cider to us all. <laughs> and he was dressed in a similar way to like old school Flash Morgan Webster, like a bit mod-like, looked like he could fit in your crowd, con man. <laughs> and he was just like an affable young lad that knew his wrestling. He spoke to my nephews about the Sunshine Machine and Mark Haskins because they had their shirts on. And he just seemed like an affable guy. Then at half time, when the raffle was on, he brought his bar out to us in like an old school cinema way where the like straps over his neck and the bar was in like a little tray with some ice and he was selling drinks. And as he was selling the drinks, so this, sh- uh, this show was called Total Chaos where nobody knew the matches. So you just, so the generator started, which was like a little like eye stock image of slot machine. And then the Titan Tron started. And as he was selling the drinks, the first <laughs> Titan Tron after the halftime was just a, beer being poured to like kind of generate music and then just jack from the bar in text came up and then his mate tapped him on the shoulder and was like you're in (laughs) (laughs) so then he took off all of his mod type actual like street clothes and and he had his uh, wrestling gear underneath and the pop that he got was unbelievable the crowd was singing oh jack from the bar for like (laughs) the whole match he faced Ava White, who I had never seen previously, but I was impressed with. Um, and it turns out that she's going to be at the New Japan show this weekend. So fair play to her. And yeah, it was a fantastic, like fun little match. He lost the match. Ava White got the booze and Jack stayed down afterwards, <laughs> then got the big pop afterwards. And then as the pop died down, he just went, bar's open. <laughs> and they went back to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, amazing Chaos Wrestling, if you get the chance to be in Bristol, um, honestly, it's so much fun. I think it's great for adults, children alike. So if you've got kids, it's great for them. as like a starting experience for your wrestling. And they've got quite a few, obviously, ties now with the new owners. So the likes of Eddie Dennis was on the card as a, as a surprise, challenging Brendan White in the main event uh, for the All Wales Championship. Yeah, there was some just fantastic stuff. There was Martin Kirby, there was... Joseph Connors. Connors actually looked really, really good in a strap match against Tate Mayfairs. Mayfairs was fantastic as the heel, as, as he always is. And yeah, can't say enough nice things about them. And they've got a double header coming up soon with a female tournament as the women's title was currently vacant because Danny Luna was champion. and She's injured, uh, sadly. And then the like finalists of the tournament then face each other in the match in the show in the evening so you get two shows for the price of one and yeah it's going to be a lot of fun so i'm going to try and get back for that as well because i'm big on pro wrestling chaos now after my uh, last stint so yeah really enjoyed it got the bug and i'm going to progress tomorrow which i'm which i'm looking forward to with the card that looks really kind of too good for a dome show (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some uh there's some absolute perlers on that card uh demo v is it irie is that how you say it yeah. That looks like it's going to be a lovely meat slapping contest there. Really, Absolutely, yeah. I'm a bit gutted I'm missing that one. And that's going to be a fantastic show. But you've done a great job there, Ross, of explaining how good Chaos is. Makes me excited. It's one I'd like to check out. Be on the bucket list, definitely. And obviously, as well as you say, it's great to see Tate Mayfair's doing well. Also, this parish once upon a time coming in and doing a great episode of us. So, yeah, all fantastic stuff. Josh, what have you been watching, mate? It was a rare week this week because I was kind of 
white rabbit hunting, um, sadly to no avail. So I ended up watching both Raw and SmackDown as well as both AEW shows. So, but yeah, I saw four four very different shows, but four 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 good shows. I was saying to Ross earlier privately, um, feel like both WWE and AEW are kind of firing on all cylinders at the minute. I mean, away from you know the actual ring itself, obviously AEW has got a few issues going on, but I still feel like the actual shows themselves are the pretty good standard. Uh, What's your um, highlight from the two AEW shows? The first one, Dynamite, was more like a it was more like a pay per view than an actual regular Dynamite, just because there was only five matches on a, a two hour show. I actually preferred Dynamite to the pay per view itself, which had like seventy five matches on. <laughs> um, I really liked. I mean, obviously it was it was bound to be good, but John Moxley Brian Danielson was it was pretty much everything you thought John Moxley versus Brian Danielson was going to be. Yeah, um, it was just great. I could have watched them wrestle for an hour. I really enjoyed in that match that, like, when it first happened, I was like, "Oh, they must be running out of time" because the ending was so abrupt and there was no real like title celebration. And I was a little bit sad that there was no like because it was such a big show for them. I was a little bit sad that there was no kind of like big celebratory thing at the end. But actually, it's almost so Blackpool Combat Club to just be like, "Yep, that's done with." Next. <laughs> yeah, they did stuff for like the live crowd. That they didn't show on TV. It was pretty much just Danielson giving Moxley the flowers and, and putting the belt on him and holding his arm yeah. up. But yeah, I agree with you. It felt like from watching on TV, the storyline was, or the match itself was more focused on the guy they showed a billion times on the Titan Tron. He was sat in the skybox, which was MJF. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting um, some chuckles from the crowd with his facials in that match. <laughs> yeah. Sure, wasn't uh, I feel like it'd be a miss as a British wrestling fan if we didn't talk about the return of one of our own to professional wrestling, which was quite nice to see after the women's uh, title yeah. match. Fantastic pop that she got, wasn't it? Huge pop, yeah. It was one of those, like, it was one, I think it's something that, I don't know if people have spoke about on this pod before, but I feel like the the biggest L in AEW has always been their women's division. And I feel like the one thing they've needed to fix it is like a, a big star. And now they finally like, a big star that all wrestling fans pretty much know of. And providing she's healthy, I feel like Soraya could be the one to hopefully get maybe two matches on a dynamite for the women, maybe one week, just maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that she's joined as a physical wrestler? Well, people have spoke about this, and I think there's been conflicting reports on it. But I feel like the fuss they made kind of reminded me of when Sting debuted, and we weren't too sure what he's done. And I think the amount that Sting's done has exceeded everyone's expectations. But then in recent years, I feel like. We've seen people like Brian Danielson cleared and Edge cleared. The only difference with this one is that I feel like, or Paige as she was back then, she had her comeback and it went wrong again. So yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm hesitant, but yeah, I, I feel like, I don't feel like AEW would have signed her if they couldn't get her to wrestle. I feel like that'd be not pointless, but yeah. yeah. I feel, but I feel she like would definitely offer something. Like I know that they don't particularly have a GM, but like, she was fantastic in that GM role, I thought, on, on a SmackDown as well. So she could definitely offer something if it's not physical. Either way, she's an asset, isn't she? And yeah, like you say about the Sting thing, Sting certainly has done a lot more than what we thought he would. So, so yeah, he has almost turned into a, a New Jack character for AEW, isn't he? Which is mad. <laughs> but... Well, Ross, I, I still remember your prediction at the start of the year. He's going to win a title. There's still time. There's about 400 titles, so I've got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even if he... You know, the, I mean, the average age of the Ring of Honor champions went up a lot, didn't it? So there's, <laughs> there's every chance that he goes for that one or something. Is there more or less likely chance now of him being a trio's champion now that he's mates with the Grey Muto again? <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad friend to have, is it? 
What did you guys think of um, Jericho beating Claudio for that belt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Claudio just feels like the perfect Ring of Honor champion from uh, someone who's not close to Ring of Honor, I'll admit. It's not a promotion that is as close to my heart as probably the rest of the wrestling should be fun roster. But, I mean, he felt a very good fit. I will say that from a storyline perspective, it feels brilliant. Jericho has remained through AW, whatever you thought of his match quality, one of their best storytellers, I think. Yeah. Um, and he's made pretty much every feud he's had feel more important than maybe it looked on paper, if that makes sense. He's, he's invested so much as a character. And this makes perfect sense with the Garcia angle, right? Like there's this protege yeah. who wins this yeah. belt and is overshadowed yet again by the sports entertainer doing the sports yeah. entertainment what thing I... to win the Ring of Honor title. Yeah, I pointed out to one of my friends the irony of it. Obviously, Garcia is the pure champion. And once upon a time, Garcia's hero, Brian Danielson, also unified the pure title with the Ring of Honor title. So I feel oh, like that's a great Tony Khan, with all his knowledge and stuff, I feel like that's the sort of thing he might do at some point. Certainly. Because I feel yeah, like shout, and the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view, just because Jericho is going to be headlining, I feel like we'll do pretty well. Yeah. Because I think at the start of AEW, I feel like that was the argument when it was Back in the day when it was Hangman versus Jericho, I feel like to get AEW off the ground, as much as it would have been nice for them to start off with a relatively new guy to the mainstream audience, as Adam Page was back then, I feel like Jericho was the right guy to take AEW forward. And if Ring of Honor is going to get a TV deal soon of some form, I don't feel like it's too bad to have a name like Jericho as the champion. Like I'm kind of like you, Matt, in the sense that I know of Ring of Honor, but I'm not I haven't got that emotional attachment to it. So maybe it doesn't upset me as much as it would others when um, someone like Jericho, who's he's pretty much a WWE guy, I'd say he's most associated with that company. He's certainly never been in Ring of Honor before. Well, his, um, his gimmick now is basically, I'm a WWE yeah, guy, exactly. I guess. And yeah. the fact that he's holding the Ring of Honor title and even on um, Rampage, he was making keen little side jokes about how he was going to be like an honourable champion, which is... Amazing, given he could not be more heelish if he tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. Like, Claudio joined AEW and straight away fit himself into that Ring of Honor sphere. So he's never really truly felt like an AEW wrestler. So maybe this just frees him up a bit to go into, like, the, like, canon AEW stuff. I won't get too worried about, you know, like, Claudio fans in WWE were constantly moaning about how he was portrayed. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. I just think, you know. As you say, there's there's a storyline to be told there with Garcia as well. So I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think Claudio is one of those who I think he could wrestle literally anybody on that roster and have a good match. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen, if you've seen Matt as well, that they've announced that Jericho's facing Bandido on Dynamite for the Ring Ooh. of Honor title. Ooh. I hadn't seen is, that. It's quite a clash of styles. <laughs> I feel like if, if Jericho is going to be facing people who like, Maybe the hardcore wrestling fans will know, but he's facing them under the Ring of Honor banner. I feel like it does Ring of Honor and it does his opponents really well to get that that Jericho rub, which I still feel like he's got massively. Oh, while we're on the subject of Jericho, this is uh, probably in the wrong section, but I wanted to talk about this, actually. And uh, Harris, who listens every week, was the one who told me this this week. Uh, he was reading one of Jericho's books recently. I'm not sure which one. How many has he got at this point? Like four? He's got a few, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> And he was talking about a match Jericho claims in the book, I think, and I'm, this might not be completely correct. I might be paraphrasing wrong here. He talked about a match Jericho invented where uh, the ring would be cut in half, like an invisible line, if you will, through the middle of the ring. And you can only win the match by pinning your opponent on their side of the ring. 
So you wrestled the match, but the, the ring is essentially as a home and away. In, if you saw what I mean. <laughs> and I've just thought, why? It felt like such a new idea for a match I'd never heard before. Like for technical style wrestlers, that seems like a dream. If you've got like, say, you or Garcia or something, and they could only pin in certain areas of the, the yeah, ring. Yeah. I think that's a great story. To yeah. Me. I didn't know if ring you awareness. You need good ring yeah. awareness. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it'd be fantastic. I'd like to see them try that as a match. Maybe Jericho will bring it into the Ring of Honor title. Now it's real wrestling. Yeah, he's going to bring Honor back to that title, isn't he? Um, was there anything else in AW, lads? Or should we have a little conversation about this White Rabbit? Um, yeah, let's go White Rabbit. Yeah, Josh, I know I you're, a massive, uh, you're a massive White guy and he's the front runner for this. I think, there we go. Uh, for listeners, uh, you're Josh, Josh... <laughs> I am wearing his, my Fiend hoodie, yes. Aimed his camera towards a lovely Fiend hoodie that you're sporting tonight. So are you really excited for this, Josh? Is this... Uh, all good build or is it not even Wyatt what, what where are you at with it nobody's saying it isn't Bray Wyatt which I, I don't know what to think because like with these things in recent like months and years like with the CM Punk thing and like with when um when Kenny was coming back everyone like kind of said it was them and then it was them so like it's a different like it's back in the day that used to be like there'd be promo video and promo video like so and so's coming or this is happening and this is happening and I feel like with this White Rabbit thing it's been really like unique because obviously they've played the song, but they've played the song during ad breaks only for it's the very, live crowd. It's very modern, isn't it? Like, it, yeah, piecing the clues together through Twitter. So I'm kind of like, I like it, but I like it because I go out of my way and find these things and I click on the QR codes. I feel like for the average viewer, are they going to be like, if it is Bray Wyatt and he comes back at some point, is it going to be like obvious to them? I know, like, recently, Raw in particular, there's been a lot of like background stuff which has come into effect later on in that show or future shows i mean i like the, the campaign the way it's being built as it's going but i guess with all these sort of things it's down to the payoff in terms of how people will view it so how closely have you followed the qr code matt or not uh, or have you not at all i've um i've been basically cheating and just seeing what twitter come up with yeah i tried to play the uh the mini game of the last one and uh, after i died at the fifth time i uh i then googled <laughs> it yeah <laughs> <laughs> trying to get know, rabbit um, through this bloody maze was impossible to bring him up for the second time harris uh who i work with he's a massive uh white fan as well and he uh he tried to scan the qr code on the episode and missed it so he then went on twitter to scan the code to work it out because he wanted to work it out for himself found the coordinates that. cracked the code and then realized the whole of twitter had already done it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's really interesting stuff and like you make the point there about it feels like it's not really for the the average fan it's for us it's for the the nerds right it's uh yeah it's us getting excited by it and i do wonder how yeah the general watching viewers will feel about it and maybe why it has enough name value that this is just exciting for us and it'll be exciting for them presuming it is him ross where are you at with it you enjoying it yeah i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it any kind of like intrigue i like i love like i know that i've a bit of a broken record on the fact that i really hate like the fact that for years and years and years, it's been, oh, it's cool to find out what's going to happen in front of the time. Like, there's nothing better in, in any kind of entertainment of being surprised by something, right? Why would you actively go out of your way to spoil something? Like, yeah. so this, this I'm loving. I'm actually loving it. And also, I love the fact that they're really starting to use NXT as, like, not just a proving ground for wrestlers, but all, but also for different things that, that might work on the main roster. So they had the QR code they used for Zoe Stark and her return for like two or three weeks and people found it pretty fun you know like yeah it definitely didn't get the traction that it's getting on the main roster obviously but people were playing along with the qr code and guessing who it was 
And so clearly they, they were like, yeah, that works. Let's let's try something of that. It seems like they're going to be doing the fight pit from NXT on Extreme Rules with Rollins and Riddle. And they're going to be doing the House of Horrors type vibe match that Grimes did with Loomis, but with The Miz. So yeah, like I'm, I'm actually loving the fact that NXT is starting to be used as a bit of a pr- pr- proving ground for stuff like that as well. And I think that if he is going to come back, potentially the that um, House of Horrors match could well be a little fun way to fit in some more QR stuff as well, because there's going to be some weird backgrounds in that. Yeah, I think I think uh, Josh was furiously shaking his head, but I think uh, the idea of QR codes I'm happy with. <laughs> like I've said to people before, it's been a having Bray Wyatt as your favourite WWE superstar has been a very up and down ride over the last few years. So I'm always kind of tentative when he's booked in like a, a big angle or something like this. But I mean, Triple H is I, I, one of my, I'd say the wrestling brand that I was, I've ever been most emotionally attached to was that black and gold NXT. So based upon that, I have eternal trust in, in Triple H's uh, booking power. So yeah, if it's, it's Bray, great. And if it's someone else, then I mean, it'll be massive for them because this campaign, this White Rabbit thing, it's trending on Twitter after every show. And I feel like it's it's so simple but effective in that the one on Raw last week was promoting the date for SmackDown and the one on SmackDown was the coordinates for Raw. So it's making people watch the next show. And I'm presuming tonight on Raw, there'll be something leading that will make us all watch SmackDown and then so on and so on until whoever this is alluding to shows up. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I also love the, the like small little bits of information that is fed to these new, like new, like news writers and stuff of like, I think the quote was like, Triple H is bringing back people that you don't expect. And like obviously yeah. White Rabbit was um, something that Paul London did on, yeah. on like the indies and stuff. And people are like, like, surely it's not Paul. But like even was that. It, in, just, um, it was Lucha Underground, like, right? With Cross yeah, yeah. as well. And with Karen Yeah, Dale, it was Cross's Cross. song over there, yeah. But just like, like super fun stuff like that, you know, like I love it. It's fun. Like wrestling should be fun. There it is. um speaking of wrestling being fun and speaking of the way triple h is booking things ross you must be loving raw and smackdown generally right (laughs) two things for me that seem to be standing out in terms of getting buzz are judgment day and the bloodline uh, for different reasons on different shows but WWE really is firing on you said earlier josh about aw as well and they do deserve credit for some good stuff but WWE getting a lot of buzz right now which is great to see for a a brand like us you know (laughs) i just want to give a shout out before ross talks about the absolutely outstanding opening segment on smackdown this week which was absolutely phenomenal with uh roman and with i mean Sami Zayn is an absolute superstar actor performer in every way so yeah like you say i thought that segment was excellent and whenever Zayn snaps and turns babyface the pop's gonna be mental so i'm really um looking forward to following them what Sami Zayn does in the next few uh, weeks and months. I was speaking with my brother on uh, the way to the uh, Chaos show this week, and that segment is like pro wrestling, isn't it? Like, it had drama, it had emotion, it had campness, <laughs> it had, like, yeah. everything. Do you know what? It it's, had... very, it's very pantomime. Yeah. Because yeah. we all know um, what's going to happen. We're like, we know this is going to go wrong, yeah. Sammy. But in, like, a brilliant way, it's, like, it's like multi-layered because you've got the different relationships that Sammy's got with each of the member of the bloodline. And I just love the fact that for a wrestler who is famed for his like five star type wrestling for 20 years on the indies, he's probably more beloved in the mainstream for this character that he's currently portraying. And the match against Johnny Knoxville this year, like fair play to the guy. Like what's the phrase of like find someone who can do both? And he's the perfect personification of it at the moment. I know um, on 
his Broken Skull session, he said, like, I feel like I can be a main event wrestler. Yeah. And, and 2022, he's kind of proving that like, he doesn't need to prove anything more in the ring. He can do that without a shadow of a doubt. But potentially what he had to prove to a mainstream audience is that he can captivate them outside of it. And easily he's done that. So, yeah, he, like he's running out of time in terms of age for like longevity, but he's never had a better chance of being the guy than now. Right. And I do think the Roman match is going to be when it happens. Fantastic. And and yeah. there is such a um, dread in fans right now because they know what's coming when it's coming we don't know but we know it's coming and it's going to be brutal and it's going to break everyone's <laughs> heart seeing Zayn have his world taken away from him you know at yeah. the moment in his uh, his character's eyes he's the highest he's ever been in WWE he's with the champion he's with the tag champions like he's living the dream and he's going to have that whole dream shattered and and we all know that and it's just waiting for that moment it's fantastic is it like you said it's exactly what we want from the wrestling show and i, I just don't want it to happen but it has to happen <laughs> interestingly there's like depth to the storyline as well because you've got um jay uso obviously is the one guy that doesn't trust him and, and doesn't like him and jay uso has been through all this previously jay uso yeah. has gone through the exact same process that sammy's gone through yeah so like it's really well layered and yeah another shout out to, to jay uso like Two years ago, when he had his babyface run, we were saying like, "Why can't he be the one to beat Roman? He was that good." Yeah. And that, like, that whole storyline, like, as you say, Josh, unreal, so good at the moment. Yeah, a couple of things. So I kind of I've read up in the past on like abuse and stuff, and it says the th- the general theme was um, people who are abused tend to abuse other people because it's like normal behavior to them. So because like to Jay, in a, like a kayfabe sense, I feel like this is like normal to him. This is how. You, you know, Jey Uso for that whole time was emotionally abused by Roman, that whole storyline. And now he's like undisputed tag champion. So in his mind, it's just normal to abuse someone and bully them and all that. And then the other thing I wanted to say as well is like, obviously, we've only seen Sammy as a performer in like recent months. And I feel like in the audience minds, they might have like forgot just how good a wrestler he is. So when he actually has a proper match and he's like fantastic, I feel like the crowd will just go mental because they've only really remembering him in recent times as this like comedy type character. But when he fires up that, and gets but, serious. And not only that, but what's it as a, as a heel, he hasn't wrestled as a baby face for ages and he's Wild. so good at it. He's yeah. so good at, at fighting from underneath. And there's a guy in charge now who booked him pretty well as a baby face in the past, if I remember. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. He, he was, he was pretty hot in NXT. Yeah. Well, Sammy. Well, I know we talked about this a lot, but it is fantastic stuff. Two small things. One, I'm not having right. Little, little tiny moan here. Talking about uh, Ricochet and Sami Zayn on commentary, Michael <laughs> Cole, having wrestled 10 years ago. That wasn't Sami Zayn. That was El Generico. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that was. I don't know yeah, who that was. Sami, Sami, Zayn that said, or... Sami Zayn said in interviews, Generico's off at the orphanage. Like, that's the yeah, guy, right? Yeah. So that firstly, Michael Cole breaking PWG folklore there and not all of that. But also I want to say, in terms of the matches, you're all right about saying this Roman match will be great. I'm actually more buzzed to, if they do Zayn and Owens with the Usos in a little series. I'd be all over Yeah, I think, I think um, obviously on SmackDown, they did a little package narrated by Paul Heyman where they were they were pretty much telling us that the Usos are going to break the tag record for the longest reign. And I feel like it's pretty much got to be Owens and Zayn who eventually beats them, right? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd be all over it. Like I say, I, I would like more than one match as well, please. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. If you're listening, Paul, let's do a... A five out uh, what's it four out of seven let's do a seven match series <laughs> have it on smackdown every week i don't care split the half in two <laughs> yeah. 
is there any more wrestling from the week that people want to talk about? Or should we go on to roundtables? Is there anything else? The other thing that I just thought of as, as I was watching it was just slowly but surely people come around to Ridge Holland is quite a nice thing, isn't it? Yeah, the Brawling Brutes might be one of the best factions in main roster WWE right now, which is saying a lot. I was going to um, say, there's a lot right now. But I feel like Ridge and, and, and Butch, I don't like, I still don't like calling him Butch. He's, he's basically <laughs> Pete Dunne at this point. I know he is. I know he is. But <laughs> I'm just uncomfortable calling him Butch still. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they had two really good matches on TV this week against two pretty top teams. And then we've got the absolute delight in a couple of weeks. I can't remember which SmackDown, but in a few weeks, the rematch of Gunter and Sheamus. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because for me, when I was enjoying AEW at my best, it was during that kind of mad year where they just had a thousand factions and some people hated it, but <laughs> I really loved it. Um, yeah. And it feels a bit like WWE have just gone being like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I mean, it's ironic that it's probably WWE who could do with Trio's belt more than AEW. <laughs> They've got some ridiculously good factions right now. Like I say, Damage Control, Judgment Day, the Brawling Brutes, the, the Bloodline. Like, they are stacked for good factions right now. Yeah. yeah. Should we go on to a roundtable? Oh, Matt, did you want to oh, just give a brief overview of your progress experience? Oh, yeah, can do. I forgot, um, forgot about that. It was so long ago. Progress, as you said, <laughs> got a show tomorrow. And they've just had a show yesterday. I mean, they are <laughs> they're definitely getting the content out there. Let's, uh, let's just say that. But... Uh, yeah, I had a blast at the uh, GCW Progress show. Uh, was it called Han Handshakes and Cheeseburgers, was it, I think? Something, Something like, like that. that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, really good show. The thing that I obviously was great for me was uh, bringing a bunch of people that hadn't been to a chapter before. So a lot of new people, a lot of new faces watching. They all had a blast with it. Wrestling fans? or No, no, none of them. None of them wrestling fans. Um, Love that. There were three, right. three first-timers at the show. My mate Scott, uh, my girlfriend Rosemary, and one of Harrison's friends, uh, Natasha. And they all came away from it, loving it, and wanting to come again, which is always what you want when you take people to shows like that. Was there anyone yeah. in particular on the roster that they were drawn to? Well, I was going to say, the match that grabbed them surprised me, actually. Um, and it wasn't that it didn't grab me. It was a really good match. It was the women's tag match. It was the okay. one that seemed popular with, uh, with the girls, especially. Really liking the work of Ali Catch. Obviously, booing the hell out of Lana Austin. Because she's, <laughs> she's the best and the worst, right? She's a fantastic heel. And they will the, be. another strong faction looks like it's building there with Lana Austin now aligned with not only Sky Smithson, but also uh, L.A. Taylor, who looks like a fucking problem. Um, <laughs> she's a big girl and she looks like Charlotte Flair uh, on first look. So, yeah, expect her to have a pretty bright future, judging on look. Uh, and I think they've got a tag match tomorrow, Ross, so you can let us know next week how, uh, how good she is. Yeah, uh, man. yeah really, really fun show. And, uh, and I'm sure tomorrow's show at the Dome is going to be ridiculous. So I heard that um, Ballroom was pretty full for the show. Yeah, yeah, it was good. We still had fantastic sightlines, which is the main thing I care about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it felt busy. It felt buzzed. It felt like uh, it was a good atmosphere, I think, from uh, my experience. It was a boozy one. We got through a few Were you beers. one of the... Um... Were you one of the London marks who paid £30 for a picture with Matt Cardona? I wasn't. <laughs> but Matt Cardona did walk past us and refuse some high fives from some of uh, some of our group, which I thought oh, was Oh, I excellent. love that. Love that. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> he was the only guy that um, my mate Scott knew. Like We were like, oh, Zach Ryder's there, by the way. And he was like, the Zach Ryder's here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course he is. And he just couldn't get over the fucking size of the bloke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's got his arms are like two fridge freezers. They're just huge. He's just a big guy seeing up close. What was the highlight for you in terms of the, the match quality? It seemed like the six man was pretty wild. 
Yeah. Uh, wait, the um, seven man, do you mean? Oh, the, seven man, sorry, yeah. Yeah, seven, because obviously, unfortunately, Nick Wayne was injured and they threw... Um, That's right, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. That match, he, he took the pin and lost Dom a lot of money in shots, but fuck me. <laughs> it, it's not news, but Robbie X is a pretty fucking special wrestler, right? Especially in those match types. It is built yeah. for his style right now. And look, he's going to go on and... And he, he's not just a one-trick like Flippy do, but that is his strong point. And in matches like that, he was sensational. That was my takeaway from that one. What a bloody wrestler. Kings of the North were really impressed with the Oakman, actually. I like them a lot. Their looks fantastic. I'd never seen them before. Played really good heaters on Sunshine Machine. Didn't let them uh, get their names announced at the start. Really nice stuff. So, yeah, impressed with them. First time watching them. And seeing Effie live. Yellow Brick Road did get played. That was... Wow. Perfect. Yeah. Love that, man. Really great um, day. Really great day. Sounds like a good time, Habboy. And, and I'm with you. And um, one of my favourite things is bringing someone new to wrestling and kind of watching their reactions. So I'm sure that you had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I say, all three of the people that came for the first time all want to come again. And that's the main point. Wrestling should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> should we do a round table, lads? Absolutely. Have you ever, ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? Have you ever, ever felt So basically, during the pub session after progress, there was a little conversation between me, uh, one of my mates, Mark, and, uh, and Mike one of the listeners here so if you're listening Mike you might remember this conversation talking about tweeners in wrestling now to me tweeners is a bit of a myth I don't really think it exists I think every wrestler that is an example of a tweener can be explained as either a baby face or a heel and it's more down to the crowd's reaction or this kind of fancy idea of what a tweener is in our heads I think it's built around this obsession with Austin was a tweener. And for me, he couldn't be further from a tweener. He's one of the most over baby faces ever. There's talk now, Brum shared an article where people were saying MJF is now moving into tweener territory because he's getting good reactions. And I'm like, again, this doesn't feel right to me. He feels like a complete heel. Regular host on here, or host, a member of the group, Brum, he put it really eloquently about his feelings on tweeners. And I'm actually going to read out some of what he said, because I think he put it better than I could. So I'm just going to read a bit of what Brum said his views were on tweeners. And then we can kind of feed off this as what we think. And I'll ask you guys your, your opinions on the, the matter. So Brum start with things that aren't tweeners, anti-heroes, wrestlers in a developing character transition, heels who get cheered, faces who get booed, heels or faces who get little reaction despite wanting it, people who turn so regularly that you forget their alignment. I completely agree. None of these things are tweeners, but so often I see them put down as tweeners and it frustrates the hell out of me. So yeah, I don't think tweeners exist. Ross, am I being a bit too pernickety? Is that the word? I don't even know if that's the word. Yeah, man, you're talking to the converted ear. I'm I'm black and white with my wrestling. I like a heel as a heel and a face as a face. And I get that kayfabe isn't really a thing anymore. So you kind of have got this weird kind of fourth wall thing with wrestlers where you have the character and then also the human being and social media has has only highlighted that even further. The closest thing to me, when I think of tweener, is kind of um, uh, the Bret Hart situation where he was clearly um, a heel in America, but in Canada he was a babyface because the things that he was saying were kind of aimed at America and Canada felt the same as him <laughs> in terms of what he was saying. So I guess that's the closest to what you're saying, but I guess that falls under what you're saying of just the crowd cheering a hill. It isn't really him doing anything. It's just the crowd are turning hill with him at that point, I guess, because that's their viewpoint as well. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes people in the crowd are wrong. And... <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there anyone, when you hear the term, 
just generally, Josh, I'll ask you this. If you just hear the term tweener in wrestling, what names are coming up to you? Um, I think going back to what had been said previously, I kind of, I struggle to think of tweeners because there's people who like turn so often and you're not kind of sure what they do or people who just like, like I was at a progress show recently where it was Lon Austin, Raven and Eliza Alexander. And basically for people who don't know, Lon had kind of paid Eliza to kind of help her. And obviously Raven's the baby face and Lana's the heel and Eliza's a heel. But then Eliza still booted Lana in the face afterwards. But that doesn't make her a baby face just because she kicked the heel. So I think it's kind of on people's perceptions and stuff. Like it's difficult because we're in an age now where most heels get cheered because they're cool. Like Roman Reigns is the top heel in WWE, but he gets cheered everywhere he goes because he's cool. He definitely acts like a heel. It's the same with, I mentioned Black and Gold NXT. The guy who got the biggest pops on every show was Adam Cole. And he was heel champion for forever. And he was definitely a heel because he was like, he was a dick. But he got the biggest pops everywhere he went. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I can't really think of any tweeners that exist, to be honest. I think it's just down to, it, it's more realistic these days in the sense that some people like some people and some people don't like others. I think that the There's... only way that uh, tweeners exist is actually in a tag team where you've got one heel and one babyface where the mm. Lex Luger and Sting and WSW to a certain extent now with Swerve and Keith Lee. Yeah. So you think the team there is a tweener? Like it's a tweener team rather than an individual yeah. tweener? Yeah. Yeah, I can buy that. But I, I feel like we're all very agreeable here, but I feel like in wrestling parlance, it's more a term. Maybe it's one of those things where people feel like they're in, using an insider term, brother, brother. So tweener gets thrown about <laughs> a lot, but I'm not for it. I'm not for it at all. I think there's been a couple of examples Brum gave again, because he's always such a, such a clever guy and he thinks about these things. A, an example he gave that I thought, oh, maybe he's testing me a bit here. Lance Archer. Can't work out what that guy is. I mean, is he, he comes I, out and he comes out and he beats up Ring Crew. So that, that's pretty heelish. But but, the, but we love it, don't we? Yeah, I want, great. When he goes, I want my Lance G1, Archer to do that. <laughs> a few years ago in G1, when every time he'd come out, he'd pick a young boy and just throw him about. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. I, I would say he's much more clearly aligned as a heel in New Japan from, from watching the G1. He was yeah. he felt like the monster. But again, doesn't necessarily cheat and... He's just a big, horrible cunt, isn't he? Like, that's the yeah. thing. So, to put it in such eloquent English. Um, he's, he's just horrible, isn't he? Like, he's just a, he's a menace and a bully. Like, yeah. he, does that make him a heel? I don't know. He's one grey area. I can, I can see grey areas on wrestlers, but I do generally think they're presented as something and the fans make it a situation where it's in the middle. The reason this conversation started in the first place, we were talking about Moxley and the idea of him being a tweener, which to me doesn't sit well at all. I, I think he is a baby face, but I think the character has the Austin vibe, which is why this term tweener gets of, they're not really looking for a crowd response. The character, obviously the performer is, but maybe the character's got a fuck everyone but me attitude. And yeah, although Moxley's now part of a faction. It still comes across in the way he perceives himself, right? The, the entrance and everything. So yeah, that was why it came about. But yeah, for me, I'm not buying tweener, but <laughs> you guys agree with me. So I don't have to argue the point too strongly, it seems. Character work like um, Ilya Dragunov when... He was coming off that loss to Volta where like every time that he got slapped, it kind of like put him in a trance of the like bad mental state from that loss. And it turned him into doing things that he normally wouldn't do as a character. So you've got stuff like that, I guess. But that's more a trope than yeah. a character becoming a tweener. And the more that I'm coming around to your thought that actually tweener doesn't exist. And it's just a term that has been thrown around and people are like, oh. Yeah, he's, he's a tweener when you can pick holes in every single time that someone has called it. 
Yeah, I'm not trying to ruin people's fun either. I don't want to come across like that. If you want to call whoever you want the tweener, you go ahead, buddy. But uh, I'm just not buying it as a real thing. I think what, <laughs> what I like about AEW as well is they obviously have the heel and face tunnels. And one of the things, obviously quite memorable a year and a bit ago now, was Adam Cole's debut. And obviously the way that was set up was obviously it looked like he was going to turn against the elite. But a friend of mine only pointed out afterwards, which I didn't even clock because I was so excited. He actually came out of the heel tunnel when he came out. And obviously no one really realised because we were just so caught up. And then recently as well, when uh, Hook won the FTW title, I, th- I think I might be wrong. I think it was one of the first times he came out of the babyface tunnel as well. So yeah, I think AEW have, have done a good job just with the tunnels really. And then obviously <laughs> when, when Cody was about, he kind of had a bit of fun with it, didn't he? He used to do a little shimmy and kind of tease us all when he was on about that he was definitely not going to turn. But yeah, like you said, I think we're all kind of in agreement. It's just kind of a, a le- bit of a lazy term, isn't it? And like you said, Ross, um, I know we spoke about the NXT crowd at times can be quite uh, mischievous because they kind of, oh God, yeah. when they get a, fa- a favourite or more, they get someone they don't like, they kind of ruin it in the sense that, was it MSK they kind of turned against yeah. for reasons we've spoke about for that months, we won't go into? For months and months and months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You talking about the great tunnel work of AEW, um, <laughs> made me just trigger. Um, we've missed the most obvious one here, lads. AEW's Cody Rhodes. Yeah, the guy that came out. The guy that came out in between the hill and the face tunnel. If you ask AEW fans now, he's definitely a heel, given his career choices he made. <laughs> he's an absolute heel. Cody wanted to be a babyface, right? The character is a babyface yeah, character. And, and... And the Is AEW it? crowd went absolutely not. <laughs> and and before I say this, I should say massive Cody Rhodes fan. Bloody probably match of the year for me so far in Seth. But yeah. the guy's ego was fairly sizable during his AEW run, right? And I he, think he was... the idea of having his own entrance and something that was unique to him was probably bigger than breaking the barriers between babyface and, and heel, in my opinion. But but again, it's it's not a bad argument to make. It was that um the Agogo feud for me, which was the turning point of Cody Rhodes fandom in AEW when the fans just went, you're touching on Super Cena territory here, Cody, you need to, you need to relax. Oh, the, the Cody promo about racism is one of my favourite things we've oh, done on this it, podcast. It's, it's, I mean, it's oh. an all-timer. It's an all-timer for all the wrong reasons. I think we've covered it. Obviously, if anyone listening does strongly agree in tweeners, drop a, drop a little message to the wrestling should be yeah, on Twitter. Let's have a discussion about it. I'd love it. It's definitely a question that I'm going to open up on the tweets. For- Do it. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'll jump into the thread if anyone's backing tweeners. I'm not having it. <laughs> sticking, sticking my flag in the ground on this one. Ross, I think we've got another little round table you want to do, right? A little Extreme Rules themed one. Yeah, so talking on Twitter, I did a thread on our Twitter of Meltzer rated four-star matches and higher from Extreme Rules through the years. And there's quite a few. There's about 17 in total. Fair play to the WWE for that. So we'll just quickly run through them as I'm sure you may well have forgotten some. And then maybe it'll just trigger you to go and watch one or two. Um, as good wrestling is good wrestling. So first up, we'll start with the four stars matches. 2009, the very first one, Chris Jericho against Rey Mysterio. And this match was the match which had the amazing finish of Jericho in place to do the 619 with his neck on the ropes. And as Ray swings over to do the 619, he rips the mask off him, which was quite an iconic finish. Perfect healed him from Chris Jericho. So they had a series around this time, right? 
They did, yeah. Is, yeah. The, is this the highest rated one of the series? Because I've seen that match. I don't know if it's this one, though. I don't know, to be honest. I didn't look that much into yeah. it, but, but I do know that um, they had a series of matches that are very well thought of by the critics. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely one in that series. Again, I, I remember that finish, so I have seen this match. Um, but there's at least one match in that series that I remember watching back, because this was an era where I did not watch the WWE. I was at yeah. university pretending I didn't like wrestling. But the Jericho Ray matches are really good, so I'm not surprised one of them's creeped in. 13 years ago, and at that point, probably most wrestling fans were like, these two are like, you know, veterans of the game and they've probably only got a few more years left and look at them now. <laughs> I mean, Ray's resurgence in particular is fantastic. Like, I mean, the when guy you think was still that he's good, had but... 25 knee surgeries at the time as well. And in the last couple of years, he's got into as good shape as he was then now. Like there was a time yeah. where, you know, I think he was, he, he had the right to phone it in a little bit, but I don't think that's been the case since he's re-signed. The Andrade oh, yeah. matches in particular were a highlight, right? But anyway, we're not talking yeah, about that. Amazing. <laughs> we're moving on now to 2011 for another four-star match cage match this time the miz versus john morrison versus john cena any memories of that one i don't think i've seen think, this was that where cena won the title after miz beat him at wrestlemania i think it is yeah 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 that's cena, all i know about that match. cena won no. Yeah, yeah, in that Lol. era, can you believe it? He did. To be fair to John, he did lose the main event of WrestleMania that year. Mm -hmm. To make sure he headlined two, the next two, but still. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm a massive Cena fan. I'm being a bit of a dick here. Like I love Cena, and I'm sure oh. that match is really good. And the Miz Morrison interactions, I bet, were really fun. Um, and then we moved to 2012 for another four-star match that I don't remember, and this is one that that I'm going to go back and watch probably tonight. Twenty twelve, Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan, four stars. So this Ooh, is the match after WrestleMania, I think. After is it the two WrestleMania out of three? Match. Is it two out of three? Yeah, falls? Two out of three yeah it's falls, a banger. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's banger after banger now, but he's <laughs> arguably Sheamus's best match of the first run, I reckon. It's an absolute banger from memory. Amazing. Yeah. So Bryan is the heel, Sheamus is the face. Two out of three falls. Can't go wrong, really. It's, it's probably Ten their second. Ago, it's their second best match after the Mania one, I reckon. Then <laughs> a year later. 2013, four-star match. Time to play the game. Brock Lesnar versus Triple H in a steel cage. The, the hidden sledgehammer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you not tempted, Josh? It's just because I, I only got back into wrestling in like 2014. So I only saw like the super Brock Lesnar era. And speaking to my friend about the first couple of years of Brock being back in WWE, like... He was just like a guy, wasn't he? He was losing all over the place. Like, he'd win a fair few, <laughs> but then, like, he wasn't like super Brock Lesnar that he became in 2014. No, you're right. Um, been, yeah, the Cena match turned it, didn't it? Yeah. In terms of booking, yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. That also had um, Scott Armstrong as referee, which is always a plus. <laughs> Long-term storytelling. <laughs> uh, next up, 2015. Well, well, Probably Big Show's best match ever. Roman Reigns versus Big Show. Four stars. I remember it. I liked the Big Show Sheamus matches, going back to Sheamus. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I remember. I can't remember much. Did he spear him through a table? He like, did. So yeah. he, he uses the ring step as like a run up, runs up the ring step, runs onto the first table and spears him through the second table. Yeah, I remember that being really cool. Because Big Show didn't bump like that a lot. 
Yeah. But, and, and, and he was shouldn't. Like... <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah. Rusev Udria, Rusev Machka. Next up, 2018, one that we probably would love to see even now. Rusev versus AJ Styles, four stars. I remember the feud, I don't remember the match. Like, I didn't know they had a, a big match like that, but I can imagine it being good. I think watching that one and Seamus Daniel Bryan might be my uh, back-to-back banger for the season. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when I go back and watch Rusev matches, obviously, as I said, I haven't said it on the podcast. My girlfriend's Bulgarian, so I've been trying to show her, look, there is a Bulgarian wrestler. And <laughs> I'm really impressed with him. He's not maybe on the same level, but he gives me like the Umaga vibes, like as in yeah. just misused a little bit. But what a unique talent for that era. And obviously still doing great work now in AEW. Uh, next up. Probably the best match of the later era for The Undertaker. Extreme Rules 2019. Taker and Roman Reigns against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Oh, that was a hoot. This was kind of like the redemption match for The Undertaker because it was his first match after the Goldberg match. Um, And it obviously brought about one of my all-time favourite gifts in wrestling, which is um, Taker doing the eyes and Drew coming up from behind him. And then it's immediately followed. I think Roman speared Drew immediately afterwards to like make the save. And it was like, it was one of those matches I remember saying at the time, it was so much better than it had any right to be. Like, you look at that match on paper, you look at Shane McMahon, you look at a far past his peak Undertaker, and then you're relying on Drew and Roman to carry it. Yeah, I recall that match being fucking great, which is amazing. I can't believe that match was actually good. Shane Um, McMahon might have been um, officially the best wrestler in the world at that point, right? Had he won his little trophy in Saudi Arabia? He was was the first man to beat Roman Reigns after Roman Reigns had beaten cancer. He was Roman was first pinned by Shane McMahon, which still doesn't sit right with me, but we move, you know. To quote Mike Skinner, keep things simple, right? <laughs> Geezers need excitement. If their lives don't provide them, they stay inside violence. Common, common sense. sense. Simple common, common sense. sense. The Undertaker, as you say, old, not as good as he used to be. Same McMahon, even though he's the best in the world, not the best in the world. How to protect those wrestlers. You put them with two brilliant wrestlers. You put them in a tag team match and it's great. Is so, it Undertaker's last in-ring match? I don't think so. Did he go for another one after that? I think he went for another. Because <laughs> Pandemic was 2020, right? Mm-hmm. I fear that I fear that he might have had the DX match after this. Oh, or the Goldberg one? Something like that. Maybe the Goldberg one, yeah. The Goldberg okay. one was... I think the Goldberg one was just before. Okay. Yeah. So this was the redemption, like you say, okay. Yeah, Goldberg's redemption was... Um, when he beat Dolph at, I think it was Dolph at the, like the next SummerSlam or whatever. And the Lashley one was good as well. Well, I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Yeah, the one where he speared him off the ramp was amazing. Wasn't it? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I'm literally on 1%, by the way. So if I do disappear, I do apologise. No worries, man. No worries. Uh, next up, we've got another tag team match from the same pay-per-view. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Four stars, Daniel Bryan and Rowan against The New Day against Heavy Machinery. Four stars. What a bizarre match on paper. I remember it. Uh, this was Planet's champion, Bryan, right? Yeah. For a lot of, he right. wasn't, I don't think he was champion, but that, he was They won the tag titles, game. didn't they? Did they win the yeah. tag titles in this? Mm-hmm. I can't remember if they won it in this, but yeah, um, this was a match where the crowd in particular really wanted Heavy Machinery. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Tucker was over. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tucker, they were man. Yeah, it was a great match. Really, really great match. Easily, Heavy Machinery's greatest in-ring match in the main roster. I know they had some decent ones in NXT, but yeah, this was fantastic. Then four stars, surprisingly, as people hated the storyline and the finish. Eye for an eye match. Rey Mysterio against Seth Rollins, 2020. Four stars. This, this might have been, despite the fact it had that weird Braun and Bray match ending it. This was like my least favorite pay-per-view of the whole pandemic, WWE. It really was a horror show to sit through, trust me. I don't know if you guys heard at the time the stunt they wanted to do, but they wanted the eye to be like properly pop out. Well, they wanted to do something really weird to make it <laughs> properly visual, as Cheers, if an eye for an eye match isn't weird enough. <laughs> and on that bombshell, Josh is gone. <laughs> Josh is gone, but we'll we'll carry on, Ross. Come on, I'm excited to see what else is on this list. Yeah, so four stars. Obviously, people make it um, more memorable for the Seth Rollins vomiting on the <laughs> on the side of the ring after the eye pop. <laughs> but the match itself, according to Meltzer, very very good. I know that. Uh, Josh just, just said that that was his worst show of all time. There's actually two more matches off this list that were four-star rated. We had Asuka versus Sasha Banks. Yeah, I don't remember this specific match, but they have such great chemistry, so I'm not surprised. This was Sasha Banks's in-ring return after a while out. And yeah, those two wrestlers put them in a match together. It's going to bang, isn't it? And then also uh, we had Drew McIntyre defending his title against Dolph Ziggler in a four-star match and Extreme Rules match. There was a Dolph Ziggler elbow to the outside for a table onto Drew McIntyre, some close falls, and um, obviously Drew came out on top. But Drew had some bangers in that little run that he had with the title first round. Um, obviously, he had the Lashley match, for example, was amazing. And yeah, mm-hmm. four stars. So three off that pay-per-view. And the last four-star match from Extreme Rules was... Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor, which, again, suffered a little bit from the ending with the, the ring, Finn Balor being a, with, <laughs> Finn, with Finn Balor being a fish and then <laughs> the ring yeah. blowing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember this. At the time, I loved it. I just thought it was just silly bollocks fun that, yeah. <laughs> that, that I love. But I know... It, Maybe you should have kept that for a Raw or something and have it as a moment rather than the yeah. match itself because it clearly was a banger and people were even saying on the, on the Twitter that like potentially that was a five-star match if you have a better finish. Okay, fair enough. I, I don't remember the match too well, but I can't forget that spot. <laughs> exactly. Wrestling's about moments, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and then we move into the 4.25 category. We go back to the very first pay-per-view. Jeff Hardy and Edge had a ladder match. 4.25 oh, okay. stars. I don't remember that, but again, probably during my down period, but I mean, how are Jeff Hardy and Edge not going to have a good ladder match? <laughs> then 2010. Batista versus John Cena, last man standing. You've probably seen the image of the duct tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two absolute pros doing their thing. 4.25. Next up in the 4.25 category. Yeah. 
is where Christian finally became champion and beat Abbott Del Rio in a ladder match with the help of Edge. Oh, cool. Yeah, that deserves to be on there. Even just for the moment. Give it a star just for the moment. And then we've got five matches that reached 4.5 territory in Extreme Rules history. Going to start at 2012 with the Brock Lesnar comes back and faces John Cena. That match is awesome. So, so good. There's that insane spot where he, where Brock jumps on the ring step and then hits uh, John yeah. Cena on the apron and manages to fall on his head, but somehow he's fine because he's Brock Lesnar. I was going to mention that earlier when Josh was saying about the Lesnar original run, I was like, yeah, he lost to Cena, but he won. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he left Cena in a pile of blood, like you say. Cut him early hard way, right? <laughs> yeah, big time, yeah. 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 Not quite as bad as Randy Orton SummerSlam, no. one, but close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cutting open the two top stars hard way in the space of five years. He's definitely a guy earning millions if you're allowed that sort of luxury. Next up with the 4.5 match was Extreme Rules 2014. The last match in the original Shield run, Shield versus Evolution, three on three, which oh, had the Seth Rollins balcony jump and it was filmed from like the other side so it was almost yeah. like the old school ECW New Jack view yeah it was the elimination that match as well or was that first I can't remember it offhand mm. I just remember it being absolutely brilliant yeah they had some really good matches they had back to back on pay-per-views didn't they yeah, no, yeah really yeah. good choice really good choice and then followed by the next night with there's always a plan B so yeah Shield were on fire weren't they at the time arguably never really went off it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> next up 2016 These two had all kinds of brilliant matches, but Extreme Rules 2016, Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. Absolutely. Oh, oh, this is an insanely good match. I watched this year or so ago. I went back and rewatched the AJ Roman matches. Yeah. So good. Like the the timing of the spear, the elbow, the attempted yeah. phenomenal forearm. Unreal. Obviously, timed it better than when he did it to Shane McMahon. There's also, from memory, there was a moment where AJ is like, gets like a 2.9. And I was like convinced he'd won the title. I can't remember yeah. why it is a 2.9, but I remember being like, oh my God, they're going to they're gonna do it. And then the last kick, yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. And it was a really good uh, rivalry for Roman to have off the back of winning the title and people being cold yeah, on yeah. it. And then you just give him arguably the best wrestler in the company and go, just go and bang. Phrasing. Shut up. Yeah. And they did. <clears throat> Inappropriate. Pretty sure this was during the period where Gallows and Anderson were with Styles, yeah. and they would and be, like, be like, would, "What yeah. shall we do tonight? Beat up Roman Reigns." <laughs> <laughs> the um, Usos are involved in this feud as well. Pre, obviously, Bloodline. Now, I remember this was when they were really yeah. closely aligned with um, with Roman. Twenty sixteen uh, spoiled us a bit. They had two four point five matches on it, and the other one was this sounds amazing. And off the top of my head, I can't remember it. Cesaro versus Sami Zayn versus Kevin oh, Owen versus The Miz. This is a brilliant match. And it starts with um, Sami hits a halluva kick, I think, on maybe Miz right at the start. And Miz's champion going in. I think it's the intercom. Right? Okay. And, and Miz's champ coming in. And uh, I think right the first thing that happens is a halluva kick. It's either to Owens or Miz. I can't remember that bit. But And it just takes them out of the match for like the first 10. And it's Amazing. just 
it's bonkers. Uh, they do all the moves. And this was during the period when everyone was starting to come around on the Miz a bit. Like, oh, he's actually, he can work. Yeah, like, yeah. Come, and he had the Ziggler feud later that year, I think. That feud rocked, didn't it? That was so Yeah. Good. And I think this is the start of like people taking Miz seriously. Put him with, again, three of the best works in the company. It's a, yeah. <laughs> I remember that match. It, it's kind of, and it is a banger. Yeah, 4.5 from Meltzer. And last but not least, we go to 2017, where the main event was for the number one contendership to face Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. And it was Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe versus Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. And it's 4.5 stars. And I managed to actually watch this not too long ago. Just happened to watch it. And yeah, it holds up. Joe wins, right? Well, he goes Joe wins, yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I remember this being really good. Seth Rollins does the frog splash from the corner to Owens, who's on the commentary table. Almost almost as good as Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Getting up to standards. I was going to say, like, these sort of matches, like, it's one of those occasions when the classic, it was like a PWG match. Yes. Like, yeah, gets yeah, thrown yeah. around for it. Yeah, sure. Plenty of amazing matches for the years on Extreme Rules. I don't think much has been announced so far for the 2022 show. I know that we've got the fight pit match between yeah. Riddle and Rollins, which has got every chance of being very, very good. And is it Liv Morgan and, Ron- and Ronda Rousey has been announced? I would presume so, yeah. That is one of three matches announced, yeah. You also have Drew and Karen Cross in a strap match. Okay, okay. Which will be a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah. We'll probably get Bianca v. Bailey at this show, maybe? Yes, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. So it could so, be yeah. a really good card. I reckon that there's going to be at least a four-star match on that card, surely. Yeah, Dave's softening on the, the WWE, isn't he? Give him a five-star the other week, so he needs to calm down. <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah. He gave uh, your match of the year a five as well, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's my match. I'll have to go back and check the notes. But when I was thinking about it, I think Cody Seth still matched the year. We'll have to, to come back to that in a couple of months, see if it hangs on. There's been some good ones this year, so. Really good. Really good. Have you got any plans for the weekend with the, with the New Japan weekend? No, I'm not able to go. But I think you are going, Ross, right? Which night are you going to? I was tempted by by night one. I still haven't bought a ticket, but it's definitely not going to sell out. Having looked at the cards, yeah. I know it's not like I'm not poo pooing things here. Like it's not anywhere near the stretch of what it was um, for the Royal Quest show in 2019. But it's still a good show, and you're still going to be seeing Osprey. Night two in particular, you're going to be seeing Zack Saber against Naito in a singles, and uh, night one you're going to be seeing FTR Aussie Open. So it's that's gonna the, be- that's the standout, isn't it? So it's going to be worth your, with your buck just for those two matches, really. But it's the experience, isn't it? The match on um, night two that stands out to me is just like, this is mad, is Young Guns, obviously Jacobs and Allen, versus Hiromu and Sonada. And I'm like, whoa, whoever booked that, <laughs> give them a raise. That is a match I never knew I wanted. But that actually was a match I looked at and went, oh, that'd be great. But a card a single match, no offence to bad dude Tito. But I don't I'm actually not, know who that is. That he's Jonah's, he's knocking about with Jonah. He's right. in the Mighty Don't Kneel. Uh, with Jonah and what are that tag team called that were in NXT? I forget their name. They are called the Mighty yeah. Daniel, right? The tag oh, team. TM61. Yeah, it's them. And Bad Dude Tito and Jonah that are a stable in, I think, mainly in New Japan, USA at the moment. But obviously, Jonah was in the G1 and Tito was his right hand man at ringside for that. Okay. So I haven't seen him actually wrestle much beyond a couple of tags. But with no disrespect to Guy, I'm sure he's a really good worker. They wouldn't have been putting him in this match if they didn't think that. But I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Okada. For me, 
I think the show you just said 2019, it was a Carla Suzuki and it was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Yeah, and it was in it was in a bigger venue and everything, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Who's Ishii got on night two? Ishii had a pretty, I think, a pretty interesting match, right? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. No, neither can I. I think Ishii's got a singles match on night two, and Ishii's very popular in England. And obviously, he's been here a lot of times, isn't he? So, yeah. Next week, I'll be able to talk about progress. The boys that do go to New Japan, we'll be able to talk about that, and also. Josh, who uh, dropped off, he is going to 1PW in Doncaster this, uh, this weekend, which has got some interesting matches. Have you seen some of the matches on it? No, no. Talk to me. So you've got Robbie X against Ace Austin. Yes, please. You've got Jamie Hayter versus Sasha Moff Martina. Oh, that's a good one as well. You've got the GCW vibe, six man, Devlin, Tyler Devlin, Big F and Joe, Ulf Herman against Clint Margera, Iceman and Jack. So Dom will be up for that one. Yeah, I was going to say got, that, that stinks of Dom. You've got Rob Van Dam talking to Dom against Mark Haskins. Oh, this Dom must be going. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a six man, which is man like Doris, Callum Newman, Amir Jordan, Will Cruz, Scotty Rourke and RKJ. That sounds stacked. I haven't had the chance to see Will Cruz live. He sounds like a problem. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. He was at Progress, actually. He was, was in the Atlas tournament, right? He was yeah. in the Atlas tournament, yeah. I really want to see him live. I hope Progress book him again soon. He was at Chaos and he came out to like proper like doom metal and he, <laughs> and he just looks like a hill, doesn't he? So yeah. like the like 10-year-olds that were in the audience just immediately booed him and he was like, <laughs> I'm a baby face. <laughs> I didn't, I think he got introduced to Progress. Like Joe Hendry just went, by the way, Will Cruz is in my match. <laughs> yeah. Like there was no, no, it was, yeah, he's in the tournament now. I'll just put him in. You've also got Christopher Daniels versus Cara Noir. Oh, yes, please. Obviously, Spike's uh, jurisdiction over the Kara character, not carrying yeah, yeah, yeah. outside of progress. You've got Mickey James versus Lizzie Ebo. That's cool. Another cool match. You've got Nathan Cruz versus Alex Hammerstone. Not as familiar with those guys, but I know the names. Um, and then you've got the British Invasion that are back, Doug Williams and Magnus. Wow. Against Team Shag. <laughs> Freezing. Burridge and Cabana. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that card looks so much fun, doesn't it? Yeah. No, do you know what? I don't think there's a bad match on that card. I'd agree. Yeah, so uh, Josh will come on next week and he can talk about the show. I'm sure he's going to be waxing lyrical about his man like Doris. He loves that guy. Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't, though, right? Just can have him as his guy, but man like Doris, special guy, isn't he? Special talent. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got plenty to talk about next week as well. Matt, if you're around, love to have you on. Anything that you want to plug? Do you want to plug your... Uh, What's the name of your music radio disco thing? Oh, that's not running anymore. Otherwise, I'd be plugging it every week. Oh, mate. Bring it back was... next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it one week. It was the IndyCar Disco. The pandemic <laughs> made us do some wonderful things, didn't it? <laughs> Sound man. Um, well, um, let's leave Booker Bingo as we've been chatting for ages, it seems. Yes. I think um, Phil will be appreciative if we end it here. Don't forget that we're on Twitter, WSBFUN. Um, we'll be um, hosting the question to the followers there of Matt's question of, is there a real tweener in wrestling? And does it even exist? And on Instagram, at Wrestling Should Be Fun, pretty sure that Dom will be maintaining his due diligence on there for both the Progress Show and New Japan. So it's going to be a busy week on Instagram as well. So make sure that, that you go there. And listen to the big demo episode from last week because it was an absolute banger. Yeah, 
I can only echo what Ross had just said. He's made my job a lot easier hosting this by covering all the bases. <laughs> and as always, with wrestling should be fun, to quote the great Don Van Damme, drink lots of water and look after your friends. Mates. <laughs> all mates. All mates. <laughs> Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. <laughs>